Today's lesson is entitled Service, the Church Business Model. Service, the Church Business Model. Say that again, service. Why don't you say that with me? Service, the Church Business Model. Can you see that on the screen, Instagrammers? Can you see the screen? Let us know you can see it. All right, so today's sermon is about service, and it is the church business model. We'll be looking at Philippians 2, verses 12 through 18. Businesses have models or types of ways they will do business. I'm amazed at how many people say they're Christians or part of the church, uh, but don't know the business model of the church. Uh, There are different business models, like uh, a business model could be direct sales, um, franchising, uh, which we've talked about. Um, A business model would be internet only, uh, that somebody does business only on internet. Um, Brick and mortar uh, business models means an actual store, a physical location. Now listen to this carefully. A business model, listen. Are you tracking? Listen, a business model is a company's core strategy for profitability doing business or profitably doing business. All right. So a business model is a company's core strategy of how we turn a profit in doing business. This is key. I want you to understand that we as Christians are operating in God's business. We are running his business on earth. And there is a strategy that he uses to profit from. There is a model of business that he uses, and that model is service. So the way we profit God's business, the way we bring a profit to his accounting book is by adapting to the model of service. Still with me? There are models, listen, based on a methodology or strategy use. Listen to this. There's something called the razor, razor blade model. Razor, razor blade model. This idea, and I got this from Investopedia, you sell the handle, the model, the strategy is sell the handle of the razor below cost to attract steady customers who will buy the higher priced products. So basically you give away the handle of the razor blade to sell the blades because nobody can use a handle without the blade. So you give the handle away and you give people a deal so that they come to be a customer and then they purchase the other items. This is the method of how they make a profit. So notice, the method or the model impacts profit. Don't miss this. What I'm trying to get you to see is that God's model or his method is put in place to impact profit. Okay? So if there is no profit, then the strategy or the model is not working. All right? Investopedia also notes that when a business model doesn't work, it's because, listen, the story doesn't make sense 
and or the numbers don't add up to profits. For example, let's say I was an internet only business in a community where less than 1% in the community have internet access. That would not bring me profitability, correct? And so that business model would not be a good business model. So also, listen, business models must change. Watch this. Listen, Carmen, as competition changes, the model must change because let's say, now let's give a good example. Remember blockbuster movies, the VHS, and remember when everybody used to go down, but then the competition changed to where uh, you could go to Redbox and you just download the DVD or you could stream live. So that competition of offering movies put Blockbuster out of business in that capacity. Now, if Blockbuster wanted to continue to compete, they would have had to change their business model. Is anyone tracking with what I'm saying? Are you, are you with me? All right. So as the competition changes, you must change. So what has worked sometimes in the past isn't working anymore, then changes need to be made. It's the same thing with relationships as well. When things change, you start a marriage, you start a relationship where one thing works, but let's say now two people in the household are working. The strategy must change or one person's working. The strategy must change. Or now you've got four kids. The strategy must change. The model of your household must change to impact the conditions. All right. So this means we must ask ourselves the question and often we must ask it. What is the business model of the Christian church? Are we doing church in a way to where we are making a profit for God or are we just doing business as we always have done it as our great grandfather, great grandpappy, the late minister, Dr. Reverend Emeritus of 1901 did church. These are different conditions. And the reason we are losing people and not reaching people or people are dropping off often is because we have not changed our model or strategy of business to reach the people where they are. Sometimes we get stuck in tradition and we are not able to make adjustments to compete with the competition. Now, there is stiff competition for worship time. There's the gym. <laughs> there's the hair appointment. Uh, there's the laundry mat. Uh, there's the date with your boo. Uh, there's the church down on the corner who has the coffee uh uh, lounge that you like to give free coffee. The competition is stiff. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so if you think you can just continue to do church as it is without adjusting, you're going to be sorely mistaken. So what is our plan for making a profit? Listen to this carefully. What is our plan for making a profit or bringing souls into the kingdom and making disciples? We must know what our service is or our product or our target market. Who is our target market? 
what are our anticipated expenses? What is it going to cost us? How do we provide this service? In other words, our service is our product. We don't produce an actual widget. We don't produce a bobblehead. We don't sell purpose purses. We sell or we offer service. Are you tracking? So our target, listen to me, our target, I'm trying to help you understand because this is so good. A lot of people don't know what the church exists for and they just got it all wrong. So our target of profitability is not money. It is disciples. Well, what is a disciple? A disciple is someone who comes up close to Christ, walks with him, learns from him, develops and grows to a point where they're strong enough to be able to reproduce that process in their own lives. How many, so we must ask the question, if our target of profit is not money and our target is disciples, we must ask at the end of the year first, not how much money did we make, but how many disciples did we produce? Boom. I'll stop right there. I'll just pause. How many churches are producing profitable disciples? In other words, mature, healthy, developed, spiritually led, divinely filled, Holy Spirit guided Christians who are making better choices in their life than they were a year or two or three years ago. So our church model or our church strategy must be to win and grow people, not just to raise money. Listen, it is not even to fill an arena with thousands of people. We must be able to say out of an arena of thousands of people, we must be able to say 2,000 of them moved onto the discipleship platform. Are you tracking? Everybody in the 10,000 seated arena is not considered a disciple. But a disciple is someone who comes deeper and says, I want my life to matter. I want my life to make a difference as I live from day to day trying to do what I do. And that doesn't mean you become a preacher. That doesn't mean you become a deacon. You could be a hairstylist and be a disciple. You could be a car salesperson and be a disciple. You could be a lawyer and be a disciple. In other words, whatever your career choice or path, you use it as a business in service for God. Are you tracking? Yes, the ministry needs money, but the money is raised to go toward building people and discipling them. So we must deliver the service. We must, number one, deliver the service. Then we must measure the service consumption. In other words, we have to be able to see, okay, so if I deliver, let's say Big Macs, McDonald's, they deliver Big Macs. They have to measure, well, how many Big Macs did we sell, right? And you determine profitability based on consumption of the service. So you deliver the service. Two, you measure the service. Three, you enhance the service performance based on the measurements or the analysis of how well you've been doing. Are you tracking? So don't think that church 
there's no place for evaluation for ministry or there's no place for evaluation when it comes to serving God. There is always an evaluation. There is an analysis that must take place. Now, I'm going to give you some helpful information. Church can no longer be considered business as usual. You cannot just get up and go to church and say, well, I'll get there when I get there. You're not serious. You're not a disciple. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. We must determine if we will be a service model, listen to this, or a manufacturing model. The difference is, listen, a manufacturing model, you know, a manufacturer uh, develops clothes. We're not a manufacturing model. We don't manufacture anything. We don't create or produce anything. God has done all that. We offer a service for the church. Service is the primary entity that is sold. My life is not a life to offer a product, a tangible product to people. My life and the success of my life as a Christian is to offer a service to those who are around me. Now, I have to pat myself on the back. I think that is an excellent interpretation of a business model as a service so far. Are you tracking? Everybody should understand what I'm saying, all right? Here's an example of a service business. Because let me uh, give you something that you can relate to, not just from the church perspective, but an airlines business. American, United, Delta, if they're still in business. Uh, Airlines is a service business. Banks are a service business. Law firms are a service business. Plumbing services, movie theaters are a service business. Consultants are service businesses. Are you tracking? They exist, the airline exists to service you. The banks are there to serve you. The law firms serve you. So ministry is there to serve the people. Now there are two aspects And we're going to talk about that in a moment, but let me go to the next slide just to to help you understand uh, what I'm talking about more succinctly. Uh, Check this out. So do we fully understand the specific type of service business we are in? That ultimately is the question. So do we understand it? Number one, we are customer focused. We are customer focused and that's how we understand. So our specific type of service and the business we are in, we are customer focused. Number two, we are in service as a logic. In other words, our service is not just a list of activities of kind acts toward others, but we exist as a logic or perspective on business and marketing. Our operations, our methods, our strategies must reflect our logic of service. So when I say service, I don't mean that we just offer a service like I pick you up in the van or I serve you chicken and and short ribs. No, service as a business is a logic. It is a strategy. It drives your operations, which leads us to number three. 
your model drives your development. In other words, our business model is what helps us de- develop God's business. Approach customers and organize effectively. When we when we develop, when we model, when we do our business as a model for God, that model drives our development. In other words, because I know that I'm a service business, I'm not going to be in the garage trying to produce shoes or sandals. I'm not going to do it. My model drives my development. It will help us develop God's business, his, our approach toward customers and our organization. So let's answer the question. What is service? Let's go to what is service? Service is supporting another's everyday processes in a way that helps them reach their desired end. Service is supporting another's everyday processes in a way that helps them reach their desired end. So what I'm saying is when we exist as the church, listen, so there are two tiers. The church is the organization, then there's the Christian, the disciple, then there are people out in the world, all right? So we exist to support another in a way that helps them reach their goals in their everyday processes. So watch this now. People are not in church every day. Get it? So we must find a way to help people reach their goals that they do from their everyday process perspective. The service we offer must be offered in a way that they can understand how to use it on Tuesday when they pick their kids up from school or they go to the gym or the laundromat or go to get their hair done. Our service must transcend our sanctuary. Ah, God. Oh, that's a good one. That's a quotable. Our service must transcend our sanctuaries. And we cannot expect to only help people when they come to our church. If you come to our church, then you'll be okay. No, no, no. I cannot be okay when church is closed, when choir rehearsal is not happening, when Bible study is not occurring. We help people who have goals, though. We must help people who have an idea of what they need. You cannot help people who do not know what they need as a service entity. We must be able to, why why do service people who answer the call? We say, hi, thank you for calling. How can I help you? Question number one is, how can I, in other words, do you know what you need? Oh man, this is juicy. This is getting tender like steak. The question is, do you know what you need? So therefore, our choices in life, ah, God, Sharon, stay with me. Our choices in life must be directed toward people and things who know what they want or need in their life. It is hard to help people who don't know what they need. Oh my gosh. Have you ever tried to help people with, I, well, I don't know. Do you want blue shoes? I don't know. Well, you want red? I don't know. I'm not sure. You want slingbacks? You want open toe? I don't know. Why is Cherry talking, Cherry talking about shoes? Because I used to sell women's shoes, me and my mellow. So the ministry must ask this. 
listen, what is our average member's everyday processes? In other words, when I get up here to preach, when the ministry develops a ministry, the church as a Christian organization must ask, what is people's everyday process? We got people come to church who just finished arguing with their wife. We got people come to church who are broke. They don't have no money. So they're going to get attitude when you ask them for a second, third, or fourth offering. All right. We got people who had to catch the bus to church. We have people who had to hitch a ride to church. We have people who come to church who are dealing with a sciaticus that hurts them, a migraine headache. Life happens. They were coming to church. They would have been on time, but the kids spilled a uh, drink on their shirt and they had to change. We must have a ministry that is able to provide a service for people who are living in the real world. Everybody doesn't go out on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday and I, well, praise the Lord, high shikamashai, oh, glory to God, master, you're with me, Holy Ghost, come upon, man, people can't talk like that in their business meeting, they work for a secular corporate organization, how can our ministry, Tiana, how can our ministry, Sherelle, be able to help people in their everyday process, so, listen, how can we help in a way that they see valuable? Because listen, if I'm giving you what you don't need, I'm not valuable. Whoa, whoa, joy, pretty eye joy. If I, listen, if, if I can't get, if I'm giving you what you don't need, you, I'm not valuable to you. We must ascertain or understand what people need, what they want, and then provide that service. Don't provide what you think they need. Provide the service what they ask for. Let's go back to the customer service caller. How may I help you? Well, I need help with my computer. Um, it's offline. Okay, well, let's get you a new screen. What in the world would a new screen have to do with being offline? They would say, well, ma'am, that's not what I asked you for. Yep, but we're going to give you this new screen because that's what I think you need. That's ludicrous. It's insane. And so it's insane for you to go out in the world as a Christian and think everybody is poor or think everybody needs a handout or think everybody needs prayer. That's not true. You must look at people where they are in their lives. Listen, you can minister to a person in a Mercedes. Look, they don't need a, 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 a union rescue mission coupon or a meal plan. They need something else. So your life must adapt to the cultures and the processes of people to where they deem your services valuable based on what they need. Oh, my God. <sighs> are you tracking? Maybe I should slow down. Robbie, you still with me? All right. Stay with us. We focus on supporting those processes. Versus delivering a product. We are not in business to deliver a product. We are in business to be in tune with other people's processes. You are to watch your coworker to understand your coworkers' processes of their everyday life so you know how to live your life as a service to be valuable to meet their need. Oh my God. Value is created when the service is used. Ooh. Value is created when the service is used. If the service is not used, then we don't have value. How valuable is the gym down the street with 20 ellipticals 
full-length swimming pool, uh, a basketball court, a tennis court, if nobody uses it. How valuable is the church if nobody uses it? God, I feel him now. How valuable is our Christianity if no one asks us or tells us a need? If our lives do not reflect the animation of God's presence to the point where people inquire to a deeper relationship of the spiritual causality within us, then we are of no value to the world. Oh my God. Our service is a process. It is not just a resource or product. We must see our lives as a process that is lived out day to day, just like, here it is, I got you, Shana, just like the processes of those who are living their lives every day. So the best way to minister to people's processes is to live your life in the processes in a way in which it equals the processes of those to whom you're trying to reach. Oh my God, what am I saying? I'm saying don't be so spiritually high-minded or stuck in your religious cocoon that you don't know what it's like to go to the laundromat and wash clothes, or you don't know what it's like to be broke at the end of the month, or you don't know what it's like to have to search for a job, or you don't know what it's like to argue with your spouse or deal with cantankerous teenagers. You have to live life, my God, Live life in a way in which you can understand why God is needed. I can help you with your circumstance, Big Ben, because God has helped me in my own day-to-day process. I know how to bring the presence of God into my circumstance. A lot of times, I love this, sometimes when I go to, if I go to buy a new car and, you know, let's say you go to a Lexus dealer and it really helps if the Lexus salesperson drives a Lexus. Ah, because the Lexus salesperson has a more intimate understanding of the vehicle you're trying to cut. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? I'm saying to you that when you are working with someone who experiences or uses the same product or service you're trying to gain, they have a better understanding of what it is you need. So just live life. Just live life and let God direct your steps. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Just live life. That's all I'm asking you to do. I'm not asking you to be at church every day. I'm not asking you to quote 30,000 scriptures. I'm asking you to deal with your teenager. I'm asking you to deal with an unemployment. I'm asking you to deal with a doctor's diagnosis that didn't come back great. I'm asking you to deal with being frustrated with where you are at the age you are in life right now. I'm asking you to live life and to be real enough to say, God, 
I got struggles here with my sins and my shortcomings. I'm asking you to grapple with what you don't understand so that you can bring God into your process so that you can help people with their process. Is this good at all? Just say amen if if you're tracking Our service must be a process that we use ourselves. We ask, what can we do for our customers, not what can we give our customers? Listen, don't be so quick to give a handout. Do you understand what I'm saying? As a Christian, don't be so quick to say, well, what can I give you? Everybody doesn't need you to give them something. People just need a service. They just need a service, a process that they can relate to. So let me help you understand. Let me introduce you to a concept I learned in the IT industry. This is going to be life-changing. And so I'm glad you're with me. I hope you're tracking. This is going to be good. So check this out. I want to introduce to you what I call the CAAS. CAAS stands for Christianity as a service. Christianity as a service. So when I say there's a CAAS, it comes from the concept of SAAS, which is a large industry now, part of the IT industry, which stands for software as a service. Ah, God. Okay. So instead of software as a service, We call it Christianity as a service. And so this SAAS has many different uh, iterums of it now. uh, They have IAAS, infrastructure as a service. Um, uh, You know, they have all of these different uh, acronyms to support these different things as a service. So when we talk about software as a service, listen to me. Software as a service is a way of delivering applications over the internet as a service. In other words, instead of installing, remember how when you get a computer, you used to have 20 CDs or 20 discs, load this software on, load this software. I got to put this on my pro computer. Or remember when you got a job and the IT had to come and load this software. It's still loading. It's still installing. Well, now you don't have to install software on your computer. Now you can access software anywhere you go. You have an app on your computer. The app is like an icon. It is a link. It connects people to the larger application. So you're not walking around. Remember, we needed those big computers with hefty RAMs or or memory or or storage space to be able to put a bunch of, 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 of software on. Now you don't have to do that. Software as a service, in other words, there's a cloud out there. There's a company out there and says, you don't have to put it on your computer. We'll give it to you whenever you access it, whenever you want. If you go to the beach and you click your phone, you can get access to your phone, to your laptop. You can get access to a browser at Starbucks or wherever you are. The software is a service. It is a free service. That is given to you, well, in some in, in the open market, but you have to pay a subscription to be able to access all of this. Even Microsoft. 
Microsoft Office used to send you a disk where you had to load Word and Excel and um, uh, Access and all of those different. Now you don't do it. You just get a link. You connect to their cloud. You access their software and their plethora their, their, or their myriad of, 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 of uh, information and data that is available to you so that you can get it wherever you are. So what am I saying? Then Christianity is a service where people don't always have to have the church, the building, but that they can access God uh, wherever you are. In other words, people, you become the client. You become the server. You become the icon that people click on to access God. Oh my God, are you hearing what I'm saying? We don't think of our lives in this way as a service. Most of our thoughts are about how we can make it in our life ourselves. In other words, all we're worried about, I got to get a new job. I got to get a new this. I got to get a new that. I got to do it. Me, 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 me. Instead of saying, I am an icon. I am a browser for other people to reach God. I am a local client where people, my neighbor will never come to my church. But they can come to God if they punch me. If they click on, God dog it, am I getting anybody's attention? If they click on me, uh, they will be able to access God because we serve as a model of Christianity as a service. We need to start thinking more this way. How do we make our lives as a service for God to people? We have to become the browser connection to God for people. People should be able to access God through us. They don't need a server. They don't need a laptop. They don't need a rosary. They don't need a charm. They don't need their Bible right away. They should be able to tap on our icon and be able to access God. You are the anointed one. You are the one who is able to meet those people's needs. Listen, every business, the CEO can't take every call. So how do we disperse our service? Haven't you heard of support teams going overseas? You ever call support and you get a phone call answer from somebody from India or somewhere else? In other words, they are spreading far and wide by adding people who can do what we do back at headquarters. All I'm trying to do is add people to this ministry who can do what I do in your neighborhood. I can't be in Long Beach. I can't be in Texas. I can't be in Florida, but you can. You live there. You go to that club. You meet those friends and you become a customer service rep who can, God, my. Is anybody tracking me? We are to be the on, you'll understand this, on demand feature to those in the world. If people, listen to me, if people have a bad perception of God in the world, then they have a bad perception of you because you represent God and whatever perception you're giving off is the perception they perceive of God. How about on demand. What is what is the streaming companies that are now? I listened to an interview recently about how box offices are losing money because the big thing used to be 
well, we release a movie and we're going to pull in 300 million from the release in the theaters. But now stuff is coming out simultaneously at the theater and on streaming platforms. Oh, God. Because of the pandemic, the business model has to change. And so box offices are losing money because streaming platforms are showing the same movies at the same time. You know who they are. Netflix. You got it on your phone. You could pull up a movie on demand. How about Roku? Roku. You could look at any movie on demand. How about Hulu? You can look at Hulu and you can get any movie on demand. Uh Uh-oh. How about Cynthia? You could click on Cynthia and get God on demand. How about Ben or Sharita? You could click on. You're a streaming platform that is on demand who delivers a service. What is that service? The service of God. You can bring God into that circumstance if you allow yourself to be a streaming platform for God. Our service should be our lives. I'll say that again. Our service should be our lives and our lives should be our sacrifice. Our service should be our lives and our lives should be our sacrifice. Romans 12 when one said, I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service it is your reasonable act of worship in other words my life is my service and my service my life is my sacrifice are you tracking with me so let's move on let's try to wrap this up I gotta I gotta bring it on in because I don't want you talking about me in our most generic model our church has a service model that provides for both internal and external customers we provide for internal and external customers and our core essence of what we do is based on love somebody say love l-o-v-e now i need to break this down for you we talk about internal customers we talk about when we provide support, let's say you run a business and in your business, let's say Joy works for me, Shano works for me, Sharita works for me, let's say Payday 702 works for me. How about that? So they are internal customers. And so the business that I run must provide a computer for Payday 702. I must provide a computer for Shana or Joy. They are internal employees. So the, the business provides support and service for them. Watch this now. They, in turn, use their computers and their equipment to service people on the outside. They serve external customers. They are not employees of the business, but they are customers of the business. Are you tracking? So the church, watch this now, the church in the service model must train their employees and we train those employees to service the world are you tracking jesus trained his 12 the church is to train its strongest disciples and those disciples develop external customers as a service and so i've been preaching for six months trying to get 
information and training to a few of you who will decide to be disciples so that you will open a franchise to be a business or service to people externally. Is this making sense? Because I don't want anybody saying, I don't understand when you're dunking and mouth franchise and being a family business. All right, I'm breaking this down for you to where it's plain as lemon meringue pie. Now, our product of service to the external customer, listen to this, our product of service to the external customer or the world must always be based on love. So that when Joy is sitting at her computer and the external customer calls in and Joy says, hi, thank you for calling. How may I help you today? Immediately, her procedure book is based on, here it is, L-O-V-E. Her guiding, her SOPs, standard operating procedures are based on love. This is our grid line and here's what it means. Watch this now. Here's what she must play in her head. Number one, she must say, how can I lift you up? Love is designed to lift someone up. Let's say we're on the help desk of life. When people call in, we must ask or offer these four elements in our service, which is the core of our business. Thank you for calling. How can I lift you up? L is for lifting people up. Number two, we must ask How can I create opportunities to change the dilemma you are in? My life must exist in a way in which love propels me to be a resource to offer opportunities to people's change. When we are ample service technicians for external customers in the world, we must see that they have a need to be lifted up and they are calling because they need something to change. Nobody comes to God because they don't want nothing. People come to God because they want something changed. That's why we chose God because we want something changed. And then number three, which is V, we must give them a vision of hope. We must say to them, how can I lift you up? How can I I create an opportunity to change, but then I'm going to give you a vision of hope that things can be better. Oh, when they say, oh yeah, this computer is shot, but don't worry, we have something that will help you. I have just the thing you need. In other words, when people come to you, do not send people away saying, I can't help you. I ain't got nothing for you, dog. You got to be able to say, I've got a vision of hope. I can help you see your life in a different state. And then for we must be able to offer them the evolution to purpose. This is where we bring them in and we help them grow. You bring them back to the church and we grow them. We evolve them into a person of purpose. People must change before they find their purpose. People must get settled in before they find their significance. And that's why many people, when they get saved, they don't know their purpose right away. They're still finding their relationship with God. But that's why the ministry is here of service to be able to help people find where they fit in life. 
I'm here to help you evolve into your purpose. I'm not here just to give you information. I'm not here to give you data. You can go to Google for that. You can Google preaching every day. I don't care. There's all kinds of preaching. But the reason you come to me week after week is because you believe or you should believe that God has given me a word specifically for your life. That in partnership and in agreement, we decide to grow together. We decide to evolve into the persons and the people God has called us to be together. We discover our journey together. We discover our likeness in God. And that leads us to today's scripture. And it won't be long. I just need to go through it. Philippians 2, 12 through 18 for further explanation of how we actually do this work. Let me show you what this means as we drive this home. The scripture says, so then my beloved, wait a minute, Paul is, let me give you the context. Paul is writing from prison and he is aware that his days are numbered and he pins this letter to those he has already discipled. Paul is writing to his employees. He's writing to his employees and he's giving instructions on how they are to give external service to those in the world. As I described earlier to Joy and Shana and Sharita, uh, who are my online and payday 702. Y'all work for me. You guys are online. I'm pinning this letter to you. And so the first thing we have to understand, he says, so then my beloved, my employees, my internal customers, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only. In other words, look, look, when you go out there in the world, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. What does he say? Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So I want you to see first of all he says do the work he says when I'm with you and when I'm not when I'm with you when you're in the office or not you're working from home you're working from the car wash you're working from the baby shower what does he say he says in my presence or not but now much more in my absence what does he say work it out he says do the work work out your own salvation in other words work it out in other words work out what God is working in you. Work out to do that which brings result. That's what that means. Do something that brings results. Finish it. In other words, close a ticket. When we have people on the help desk, you know, and they service people, we open a ticket. And so we we are looking for, at the end of the day, did you resolve that issue? Did you close the ticket? Did you work it out? Did you fight till you got it right? Did I like that. Did fight till you get it right. Did you fight to, did you, did you appeal it till you got the result you wanted? Did you pray until something happened? Did you work it out until you got a, don't be on a call and not solve the problem. Don't be a a service where you don't finish the job. Work it out. God, I feel him now. He says, work it out to where it's good enough to close so that it brings back feedback. And the reason God God says, work it out so that somebody can give feedback and say, that was excellent customer service. The reason why praise is not so great in church is because there are too many open tickets. We've got Christians who are in church with all
all kinds of open tickets. Nothing is enclosed. Your marriage is enclosed. Your children problem is enclosed. Your financial depravity is, is enclosed. Your sinful life is enclosed. You won't work it out. And when you work it out, that's when you come to service. And ain't nobody got to tell you lift your hands and give him praise. Nobody got to push you to worship God. You came because you closed some tickets. You closed some stuff out. You worked it out. And then the Bible says, he says, do it with fear and trembling. In other words, don't nobody have to make you do it. Do it because you fear God. Work it out, not because you've been told to work it out because you know God has your back. Work it out because God wants you to fear him and to reverence him. You will do the work. You do the work. It's not the church. I can't be at everybody's house. I can't visit everybody's sick. Even this month, this week, I put on the post on Facebook. I said, help me pray. The calls keep coming in. There are multiple requests. Pastor, pray for me. Pastor, pray for me. I can't hardly get up from my knees before another call comes in. And I need you to go to the prayer wall to pray with me. Cut dog it. Is anybody hearing when I need somebody to do the work with me? Not because I ask, but because you fear God enough and you tremble enough at his word. The fear of the reverence and, and respect for him. Let me move on. So first do the work. And then number two, then we've got to let God work in you. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. In other words, let God work in you. God works in you so that you can work it out. God gives you the will. The text says God is at work in you, both to what? to do it. God will give you the desire to do it. God will give you the will to do it. And why? He says both to will and to work. In other words, the action. Well, I don't feel like it. That's all right. Let God work in you. The first one was do the work. The second one is let God do work in you. Let God do a work in you. Keep coming to church and come to the altar. Don't leave before altar call is over. Let God do a work in you. It's the work in you before you correct your children. Let God do a work in you because they ain't doing nothing but acting just like you do. They, they your seed. They got your DNA. Let God do a work in you before you start telling other people how they're supposed to live. Let God do the service for you so that you can tell people how God can do it for them. And then lastly, he says, do it for his good pleasure. He works in you because he likes to do it. Oh, he says, come to church and I'll fix you. I'll help you. I'll give you a new computer. In other words, I'll provide the equipment you need to be the equipment to people in the world. And guess what? I like to do it. Oh, I just like to do it. We enjoy, we're talking about cooking. We're talking about, you know, cooking, helping each other, cooking, things like that. And I say, well, Joy, I don't mind cooking. It's my pleasure to help. I don't mind. I like to do it because it's creative. I like anything creative. Anything I can do creative. I like it because I can put as much salt in it. I can do I can do spices however I want. I can. In other words, you've got to live your life in a way where it's a pleasure to you to help people. And now the common phrase of all support teams across the world when you say when somebody says you know thank you for helping me what do they say it was my pleasure it's my pleasure that was the mantra when I used to work with Knott's Berry Farms and and the, uh, consulting for them they, their motto was when people say thank you tell them it's my pleasure God says it's my pleasure 
When you come to church and say, thank you, he says, my pleasure. When he, when you say, thank you for healing me, and fe-, God says, my pleasure. When he brings you out or gives you a job, you say, thank you, Lord, my pleasure. When he provides for you a roof over your head, he goes, my pleasure. It is my pleasure to work. Thank you for fixing my attitude, God, my pleasure. Thank you for giving me patience working in me, my pleasure. Thank you that I don't cuss as much as I used to, my pleasure. Thank you that I don't smoke and drink like I used to, my pleasure. Thank you that I don't go around acting all haughty and high-minded and judgmental. Thank my pleasure. God wants to work in you. God wants you to be equipped with what you need. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. It is his pleasure to help you. God will do the work in you so you can do the work for others. This ministry is to provide the internal support to you as disciples needed to execute your external support for the world needs. You come here to get what you need so you can go to the world and give people what they need. I'm not asking you to bring the people here. I'm asking you to go to the people. I'm asking you to get what you need. I'm looking for 12 disciples. I'm looking for a handful of people, of employees, of internal employees who we can train right here and then you start a hair business. You start a fabric business. You start a law firm. You start a record industry. You go be an actor. You go be a physical trainer. And those entities begin to spread. Ah, God, I wish you could understand. We will help work the work in you by building your relationship with God through teaching, through preaching, through worship, through counsel, through prayer. But this ministry needs a reporting of the work done so we can know how to train you. What area should we focus on? Not only do people say thank you after the support call. Okay, Joy, you helped the person, you worked it out, you solved their computer issue. Then what do you say? The last thing in the procedure book is we're going to send you a survey for your feedback. We'd like to know how well we did. There has to be feedback that comes back to the church, that comes back to God, that comes back to your trainer to say, what, when I go get a massage uh, every now and then, once every five years or so when I go get a massage the masseuse will say what areas do you want me to concentrate on <laughs> and it might change different times say this time is my lower back oh it's my shoulders this time in other words there must be feedback what are we doing well what are we not doing well when the church says are you tracking we want to know are you getting it if you're not say hold up or this is what we need we need more of this we need change I need training my computer computer is too slow. I need this. I need more support. I need better prayer. I need this so that you can do something in the world. But don't ask us to keep loading up your workstation and you don't take any calls. You hear what I'm saying? You're getting your workstation trained right here so you can take some calls. So when I ask you to give me a monthly report, Joy, Payday 702, uh, Sharita, and Shauna, when I ask you for a monthly report, you ought to come back and say, I closed 2,000 tickets. I Or let's say 12. Let's say, I closed 10 tickets. I will give 2,000. I closed this. In other words, I did this. I have a hair shop. I've done this. This is what I've been working on. That creates reciprocity of intimacy. Now I know what you're doing and what you need, and I know how to serve.
service you better as the employee. Are you getting this? Church has got to stop being a one-way bully pulpit where the preacher speaks and gives and gives and gives and nothing comes back. I am changing the model of the church. And if this is not the model for you, this is not the church for you. But in this house, our mode of profit is not money. It is disciples. And unless I see you grow, I will not deem this ministry a success unless I see disciples, unless I see people starting ministries, unless I see people taking calls and closing tickets. Pause. Or you might as well just go on and delete me. Delete. Delete me. This ministry needs reporting. So let's wrap this up. 14 says, here's how you do it. One was do the work. Two, let God work in you. Three, be a good representative. Just be a good representative. How do I do external service? You do it without grumbling and without disputing. Without murmuring and disputes. In other words, when you take the call, when you take the call, how may I help you? Don't put people on hold and be like, do you believe this chick calling asking me such and such and such? Ma'am, you didn't mute me. Oh, I'm sorry, my bad. Wait a minute. In other words, live your life without complaining and arguing. Don't argue with the customer. Don't argue with the person in need. Just be a good representative. And then the text says, so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent. Harmless, children of God, above reproach, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you appear as lights in the world. In other words, the world is harsh enough. To people who call you have already, they're calling you in the midst of domestic violence. They're calling you in the midst of poverty. They don't even have the money to pay for what they're asking you to fix. They're already calling you in a world that's given them the business of grief and stress and turmoil. They don't need to call you for you to give them more grief. Be blameless. Ah, God. Be harmless. Ah, God. Care enough. Ah, care enough about people. Ah, God. Ah, care enough about people. The world is like hell at times. And they come to the church not to be judged, not to be told. They're carnal and they're sinners. They come to the church to find help in time of need. The Bible says God is our refuge and our strength. He's a very present help in the time of trouble. And we need more Christians who are blameless and innocent. I'm tired of my worldly friends treating me better than my Christian friends. You ain't going to talk back to me. That's all right. But I'm tired of the world showing up for me more than Christian people will because Christian people will judge you and say, well, you're living this way. That's what you deserve. Shame on you. Shame on you. Be a representative. Who opens your life to the liar, to the cheat, to the gay, to the lesbian, to the queer, to the murderer, the ex-con, the prostitute, the alcoholic, the liar. Be to them what they need you to be. Why? So you will appear as lights in the world we are the light of the world we are a city set on a hill
My God, help me get through here, Lord. Let us be better. Let us be better. Let us be lights in the world. Let us be beacons that draw people to God, not push people away. Nobody want to come to your church because you represent what your church is like. And you're ornery. You're angry. You're impatient. You're judgmental. I don't want to come to where your God is. The scripture tells us we need to shine as lights. And then 16 says, holding fast the word of life so that in the day of Christ, I will have no reason that I will have reason to glory because I did not run in vain or toil in vain. So stay true to the manual. In other words, hold fast to the word of life. Hold fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ, I will have a reason to glory. Stick to the policy. Stick to the procedure, Shauna. Stick to the procedure, Payday 702. Stick to the books. Don't go outside the guideline. Just do what the book says and you will prosper. He says, I will glory in that because you stuck to the book. God told Joshua, he says, turn not from the word to the left nor the right, but meditate upon his word every day. And he says, wherever you put your feet upon I'll give it to you. Your life brings God's glory when you stick to the book. You've got the manual, Payday 702. You've got the manual, Tiana. You've got the manual, Cousin Kevin. It's right there. Read the book. It's an open book test. You can look at the book. When people call you, you can say, hold on a minute. Let me me find the scripture. Let me find the scripture. And then you can quote them the scripture. This would make God so happy. As you begin to serve him in this world. 17 says, but even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. Remember, I told you Paul was in prison writing to his employees. And he said, even if I'm being poured out as your boss as a drink offering upon what? The sacrifice and the service of your faith. What does he do? I rejoice. Would somebody give me the opportunity to rejoice? Would somebody give me the opportunity to rejoice by your life being a life of service and a life of sacrifice? I can't rejoice. If you don't work, I can't rejoice. If you don't serve, I can't rejoice. If you don't make a sacrifice, I can't be a drink offering poured out in your midst. So the first one was do the work. The second was let God do a work in you. The third one was be a good representative. Now this is be a sacrifice. Your service is a sacrifice presented to God. And because of your faith, Because of your discipleship, because of you being an employee, your service is a sacrifice. It is not just work. It is an offering to God. And you must see your life as a service, not just a responsibility. I don't come to preach just because I don't have anything to do. It is my offering. It is a sacrifice I make. And I do that because the company that supports you will also add to your sacrifice their own drink offering, pouring themselves out for your validation, support, and confirmation for before God. So when you tell me 
when you come back and you tell me what you're doing in the world, when Cynthia comes back and tells me what she's doing with her ministry whole, when Cynthia shows me that she's ministering to people, she's praying to people, she allows me the opportunity to pour my life out as a drink offering around her sacrifice. The drink offering goes with her sacrifice and it comes up to the point, it comes up to the place where now there's this sweet, complete offering. We have the sacrifice, we have the bread, we have the meat, we have the food, but here comes pastor to pour the drink. Who wants to eat and don't have a drink with it? Ah, God, we're going to talk about that when we have communion. Paul's sacrifice gives confirmation. When I come and preach, it is validation on your sacrifice. Allow me the opportunity to pour myself as an offering on your sacrifice of living so that together we go up as a church, as a body, as a sweet offering before God. And God says, I receive it. I receive your life. I receive your sacrifice. Paul's sacrifice was that would eventually lead to his death. It didn't deter him. The Bible said, I rejoice and I share my joy with you all. It brought him joy to pour himself out. It brings me joy to stand up here week after week and sweat like a bandit. If I know you're going to help people, our pastors and leaders and mentors are the drink offerings poured out around our sacrificial lives to validate, complete, and make our sacrifices acceptable to God. Every meal has a drink to complete it. Paul was their compliment. I am your compliment. The addition to your sacrifice and your service, I am your drink offering willing to be poured out on your life. So is communion. It is the bread and the cup. It is the bread and the blood. It is the body and the blood. The blood was poured out. They pierced him in the side. Forthwith came blood and water. When we take communion after the sermon, you will understand why we need the cup with the bread. You can't just have the cup alone. It is insufficient. You can't just have the the preacher being poured out wine by itself. Nobody can live off a drink by itself. And the bread alone is insufficient. We need each other. I need to be the drink and you need to be the bread. This is the model of service for the Christian church business. And where there is unity and cooperation, you will always find joy. There will be rejoicing. And the reason we've lost our joy is because not enough of us are doing anything in unity to make a difference in our communities. Where there is a lack of joy, there is a lack of unity, and that is guaranteed. So my final scripture today is you too. I urge you, rejoice in the same way and share your joy with me. The end result of this partnership should be joy. Somebody ought to stand up on your feet and just thank God for a drink offering that complements your life of service. And you too should rejoice with me. Don't let me cry and be in tears by myself. I know Cousin Kevin's crying. I know Big Ben is crying because they cry all the time. Your joy is my joy and you should be joyful. This is something we do together. If you rejoice, I rejoice. When you argue, there is no joy. When your kids disobey, there is no joy. When one person does all the work, there is no joy. It's only when we unify and cooperate with one another shall we see the joy of the Lord fill our lives and ministries. And when people on my IT team closed hundreds and
and hundreds of tickets. That meant we had hundreds and hundreds of satisfied customers and hundreds and hundreds of satisfied customers keep renewing their subscription. And I came to tell you that if you keep serving God, be not weary in well-doing, but in due season you shall reap if you faint not. If you just keep closing tickets after a while, God will turn things around. Enter into the joy of the Lord. The Bible said men, the disciples had joy unspeakable and full of glory. God will give you joy in your life when you start bringing it in agreement with your spouse, with your children, with your job, with your boss, with your pastor. When you start getting yourself put together in a position where you give God the glory. God bless our model of business. The family business is a business of service. God returned to us the joy of our ministry where there is again cooperation between pulpit and parishioner and the parishioners have a passion for the world. God bless this family business. God give us a business of service. Here we are Lord use us. Here we are Lord use us and give us our joy back. I'm PC y'all and that's all I've got.